The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. How are you? I think you and I are both dealing with the same thing, which is like home maintenance and, and uh-huh. relying on, on people who are much more handy and knowledgeable. Um, do you feel intimidated when like, you bring around like, a, a plumber or a tradie of some kind or whatever and your lack of knowledge is exposed immediately? Uh, the ones that lead off... By not going to the complicated stuff first, explaining what they think is the simple stuff that you will completely understand. And you know from the first way they go, well, you got to grab a couple of widgets and then you got to hoitch up the spatulator. And uh, you're just like, I, you lost me at spatulator. I don't know what a spatulator is. I have no idea what you're talking about. It sounds like something that's in the kitchen, but you're using it for plumbing. I do not know what a spatulator is. Yeah, I can just see you getting your guy to dumb it down. Like he starts trying to tell you, no, 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 no. Then he goes to sock puppets, no, 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 no. Then he's got like a Pictionary whiteboard out and he's trying to draw pictures for you. Like, slow down, egghead. Yeah, so he's right back at the whole, he's got like actually a biology book and he's showing me how the human digestion works. And he goes, well, basically you consume food and then that waste needs to be expelled from your body. Okay, now that you've got that, I can start explaining the toilet and how it works. Well, I had a, a, a different kind of scenario with, um, I had a couple of plumbers come around because we had a bit of, with all the rain that we've been having up here lately, we had a tiny bit of flooding, not nothing drastic, a bit of seepage coming from groundwater. And uh, so I was out, um, you know, checking the drains, which were, you know, filling up really quickly. I even went to Bunnings and bought myself like a sump pump to kind of help the drainage. And then when the aim, when the aim, when the rain eased a bit, I was like, I'm going to do some investigation, see if I can, with, with my little pea brain, work out what's going on. And I kind of looked at the drains and, you know, the proximity to the house, like sort of felt like, geez, it feels like when these pipes were put in, they didn't quite get the angle right. They're not draining fast enough. It feels like the inlet pipe is, is at too low an angle to the outlet pipe. So it's just sort of filling up the stormwater drain or not. So this One of those things that if you were a smarter person, you go, this is the sort of thing I would have checked out before I bought this house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, the funny thing is, it's never, it's never a problem until it personally affects you. Because <laughs> when I picked up the keys for the house, this yeah. was over December and there was quite a bit of rain then. Not like we've had in the last week or so, but, you know, a fair bit of rain. And the owner, the previous owner, took me into the house, showed me the kind of downstairs living area and said, look, we've noticed there's a bit of damp coming into this back corner here so you might want to think about um uh, uh, she showed me the stormwater drain she said you might want to think about putting an extra or widening the pipe in the stormwater drain so it gets away from the house a lot faster i grabbed the keys shoved her out the door and said smell you later i don't need your advice it's raining now and i've got no drainage issues so i imagine it will never rain more than this and i will never have any drainage issues Until it personally affects you. So until I was up till 3am with towels and buckets trying to stop my bloody house from flooding, it didn't, didn't bother me. Um, I even called the previous owner very sheepishly. <laughs> I was like, um, you know that, that problem that you pointed out when I, when I got the keys? I haven't actually addressed it. And I was wondering if you could uh, give me the number of the plumber who put in the drainage pipe. 
And she's like, well, but I remember your last words to me were clearly, see you later, sucker. And I feel like you whispered, I hope you burn in hell. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure you said that. But I have heard from some neighbors that you stole their dog. So I'm starting to feel like I've really invited crime into this neighborhood. So uh, she informed me that, unfortunately, the uh, previous plumber had passed away. Um, so I began... Drowned. Under their house, <laughs> and his ghost haunts you. It's like poltergeist. <laughs> Our house is built over an ancient plumber burial ground. <laughs> at night, at night, if you just if you listen closely, you can just hear the sound of plungers deplumbing the toilet. Right, just there's like a howling sound through the S bend. Sometimes when you're sitting on the toilet at night, you'll hear his voice. <laughs> uh, so I had to do, and I hate doing this. I had to start mm. the process of cold calling tradies to kind of get them to come around and that's the worst what's your process by the way when you have to do this so one of the things that i'm interested in because at the moment i yes i'm also dealing with a lot of tradies and it is so hard to determine who it is that you're going to get in to do the job for you so what is your method of going about employing a tradie in this situation so much like the mafia will, I uh i need someone to vouch for said tradie i Mm. like to get a recommendation because Mm. i I come from... That can be a little bit of trouble if you need, say, some painting done around your house and mafia style, you go up to somebody and go, I hear you paint houses. (laughs) And then suddenly you've ordered a hit by accident. Well, I don't know why I have this mindset, but I feel like somewhere in my childhood, maybe I I overheard my father or my mother complaining or something, but I just assume that everyone's out to rip me off, Mm. that no one has my best intentions at heart. So when it comes to things like mechanics or tradies or anything like that. I'm like, you've got to be on the defensive because they're going to look to do the least amount of work for the most, you know, for the most amount of money. Mm. Um, but I find it a fairly intimidating process because I'm trying to describe over the phone what my issue is without sounding like an idiot. You know, like, for instance, when I was back... Water in- under house! <laughs> Too much water! When I was back in Sydney, um, the person who's subletting our apartment said the uh, the washing machine wasn't working. So I went upstairs and I identified what the problem was, which was um, the door latch seal had come off. And so when you close your washing machine, it won't start unless the door is properly sealed. So mm-hmm. I managed to get the washing machine up and I went under it and using tools managed to reseal it and get the door latch back in and close the door. And it was seemed to be working fine, but it just wasn't taking water into the washing machine. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And the neighbor downstairs is an electrician. And I'm like, electrician, plumber, close enough. Like, they're from the same family, right? (laughs) They often work side by side. You've got to pick some stuff up along the way. Yeah, exactly. So I asked him to come up and have a look at it with me. And so we get up there and I show him what I've done. And I said, now seal the door so it should be working. And he just goes over to the tap and turns it on. (laughs) That's what I hadn't checked. So it turns out you were right. You got an expert in. Even though he was an electrician, he was able to handle, diagnose the tap problem. Yeah, so, so that's my kind of, uh, my go-to is if I can't get a personal recommendation, but because there've been so much, um, st- so many storms and, and rain in the last mm. couple of weeks, like it's really hard to get a plumber out at the moment. So I went, I did a twofold approach because I was concerned that the problem was going to get worse. So I went to one of those, I don't know how to describe them, but it's like, um, you know, it's like a franchise plumbers where, you know, you got to pay like 80 bucks for them to even come out and quote. And they, so they have like a team of plumbers on their books and so they'll farm, farm you out. And then I also 
went the mafia route where I got my friend to vouch for this dude and ask him to do me a favor and come around and, and check the plumbing. And so the first guy came around and he's actually, this is from the franchise place. And he was like a lovely guy, but I could immediately tell that I'd been sent like a dude who's maybe just, you know, just started being a plumber full time. Well, maybe. that's what you get. They send right. out the, the guy who's just above the apprentice. Like he's allowed yeah. to go out by himself now and diagnose things. But before any digging happens, like they send out the guy that if the issue is just that he needs to turn on a tap, <laughs> he has got this absolutely fucking covered. But if it is a bigger issue than that, they're going to have to call in some reinforcements. Yeah, so I, I kind of got that sense of the first guy. Lovely dude. He, he examined the problem. He kind of saw what was going on. Mm. But his solution seemed really inefficient. He wanted me to dig out. Move out of the house. area. He yeah. said, leave this area and never come back. He handed me a tin of petrol and some matches <laughs> and said, I reckon you could claim this. He said, he said here's $80,000. I own this house now. <laughs> leave. Uh, and so then the next day... Um, the dude had been vouched for came around and he was he knew exactly what he was doing but this is what i was saying about initially when the problem was happening i was looking at stuff trying to see if i could determine what was going on and i and and from my estimation it felt like the pipes the the agri pipe and the stormwater drain had been incorrectly installed because it just mm -hmm. didn't seem to be draining properly the angles seemed to be all wrong all this all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. but when the 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 guy who um the mafia guy came around because I, he came with a reputation, I was like, I don't want to look like an idiot in front of this guy. He's probably been plumbing for 30 years. You know, he's doing, he's doing my mate a favor by coming around and diagnosing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say anything. And so when he came around, he looked at everything. He's like, well, look, clearly the drains have been stalled incorrectly and they're not draining. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's exactly what I that's thought. What that's I what I thought. thought. And he's <laughs> like, like, yeah, duh. Everybody says that's what they thought once I've said it. And you're like, no, no, no. Like, I'm going to get you to ring this apprentice that got sent out by the other mob because I said the exact same thing to him. Oh, mate, you should have said it. was so embarrassing. I was like that little dog in the Warner Brothers cartoon. Like, like yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. You know? <laughs> this guy was like, okay, mate. Okay, sure. And so he's sort of done the diagnosis, but now I'm sort of stuck because his quote has come in much higher than the old, uh, the old apprentice dude who's come out. And I'm sure, like... You know, the apprentice guy's idea isn't entirely bad. I don't think it's as good as the as the expert dude, but I'm like, all right. So Can you just... give the apprentice some notes? Look, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just having a guess. For no real reason, I definitely haven't spoken to a more experienced plumber, but here's what I think we should do. Well, here's what I was thinking is I thought, why don't I take the higher of the two quotes? Because I like yeah. this guy seems to, his solution to me make more, made more sense and seems to directly uh, uh, impact what the issue is. So I was thinking, could I, like, if I did some of the work for him, mm. for instance, he needs to dig a trench to put a new pipe in. If I dug that trench, if I dug out the area, surely, like, you know, that he can take that off the quote, right? Yeah, absolutely. I know you can do some of the work. I, yeah. think that, I, I think that's an absolutely fine thing. In fact, I think that he would be absolutely fine with you doing some of the work. He's probably extremely busy. As you said, there is so much yeah, water damage in the area. I bet plumbers are working around the clock. He does not need the extra work. He did not get into world of plumbing because he liked digging ditches. There are plenty yeah. of other jobs where if your favorite thing is to dig a ditch, you can dig ditches full time. You can become a ditch digger. You can become yeah. a grave digger. Like there are so many holes that need to be dug. If that was your passion, you you get into some hole digging related industry. This guy loves laying pipe, Charlie. That's yeah. why he got into plumbing. <laughs> he loves the lay pipe. And he doesn't, mate. 
And so, so what he needs is you to do some of the ditch digging so he can yeah. just come, a, come along and do the glory bit, which is to lay the pot. So you're saying that... Um so I'll dig the hole. He'll bring the glory. So it'll be a glory hole. A glory hole. You too. What you should say is <laughs> reply to his email. Yeah. Re glory hole proposal. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> Come down. You can lay some pipe. I'll get the glory hole ready. <laughs> well, it's funny because I went out um, on set day and I was talking to uh, a couple of our mates, uh, uh, Vorno and Benji, and and Vaughn. Uh, he had some similar plumbing issues and so he did he went the route of digging the trench and mm. you know he did save himself a couple of grand he was happy to do it he's dug, dug trenches before working for his dad and stuff and then i spoke to benji and benji's like fuck it do not like do not dig the trench like trust me just pony up the cash you'll you'll get halfway through the job you realize it's much it's much more than you can cope with you'll fucking hate it you might get it wrong in which case you'll you know be paying someone to come out and fix it anyway just to fill the trench back in yeah, that, that's where it gets humiliating. It's <laughs> too much of a trench. You've overcorrected, and we need to get a, a trench specialist in somebody who doesn't love digging holes. Somebody who likes filling holes back in a much more specialist area, well, and much more pricey, by the way. Well, knowing that it took me not eight, I almost ten attempts to replace the hinges on my daughter's yeah. wardrobe. I imagine that digging a trench, I could get very, very wrong, or I'll dig too deep and like hit power lines or something. <laughs> I mean, that is a risk. You have now brought in the risk of that you could kill yourself during it. Like normally the way that I would assess it is opportunity cost, right? Right. Is my time more valuably spent somewhere else doing something else? So is it worth this cost of employing somebody to do it? Or is it something that I could happily do myself and get some other benefit out of? You know, you might say, Mm. well, digging a hole, that's a good workout. I think I can do it safely. Like you could probably even hit up the dirt and just say, hey, um, you know, I might dig a bit of the trench, take your load off, even pitch it that sort of way. You know, we might be able to save some money on the quote. Can you give us some tips on the trench? Like he'd be fine to give you tep- trin- uh, uh, trench, trench tips. tips. <laughs> That's I- our new podcast, actually, on com. Trench tips. Trench tips. It's our YouTube series. Yeah. Five trench tips per week. But I imagine that he would be able to say, like you say, is there anything dangerous I should be looking for? Would there be power lines under there? Anything like that? He'd be able to help you, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean... You're right, though. It is that question of would my time be better spent? Can I be making more, making money, you know, in that time that can be paying for this? Or will you do a lot of work around your place that you could be hiring a gardener to do, right? What's your rationale behind that? Is that a cost-saving thing or an exercise thing? Well, part of it is, yeah. I mean, financially, I'm not in a good position at the moment. You know, COVID was hard. A year of work went away and I, I you know, as you well know, Charlie, you know, I did that thing where I was like, you know what, I can buy a new house because I'll just sell my old house and everything will be fine. Like, what, what could possibly happen? Anyway, it turns out a global pandemic could possibly happen and you could not work for a fucking year and be in a terrible financial position. So part of it is definitely that. But part of it is that the stuff I do around the house has a different purpose to it in that right. it's my house and I want to care for it and like have some ownership over it. And so if it is a task that I can achieve myself, it gives me some personal satisfaction and connection with where I live to have done it myself. And also just in an exercise sense, because just yeah, the best thing for me is just to keep moving, doing things. So I often find that going out and doing the gardening or going out and, you know, cleaning out the gutters or whatever, you know, counts as me being active as well. So it's not just that I could get someone else to do it, but it's good that I am doing it myself. 
I do think that personal satisfaction thing is a big part of it. So, you know, my place is no, doesn't have nearly the garden that you have yours. Yours is a proper, proper garden. But, I've, you know, I've got garden that needs to be maintained. And for the last two months, it's been a point of pride that I've been maintaining it, doing the lawn, doing the weeding. But it's starting to overwhelm me, especially because of the amount of rain we've had. Like, it's, it's fucking Jurassic Park at the moment. Like, shit grows so quickly. You've got to stay right on top of it. And I'm getting overwhelmed to the point where, like, Gemma has been very gently sort of suggesting we get a gardener because everyone on my street gets a gardener there's like 10 houses in this cul-de-sac and there's gardeners here most weeks because everyone everyone seems to have clued onto something that i haven't caught up to <laughs> which is shit grows really fast when it rains constantly and then it comes out and it's super sunny and it's like you're living in a greenhouse a hundred percent and so jim's like you know the gardener next door because he he comes on because we share a hedge with our mm. neighbors so that gardener will come and do our hedge like you know once a month or something like that and jim's like why don't we just mm. ask him do a little bit of maintenance and i'm like no because <laughs> he's already involved this is yeah. the thing charlie he's already technically involved in your yard yeah like he's and not he's just seen. doing the hedge on the the neighbor's side of the yard i'm assuming he's like you know he's cutting the hedge which means he's already like he's almost in your relationship this is you trying to bring an extra into your polygamous sort of open relationship because <laughs> you're not going to start with a complete stranger it's someone yeah. who's already familiar with the circumstance yeah and i and also well i think i don't know if i was offended well you know here's where i here here is where i was offended so prior to the flo- the flooding and the heavy rain we just had um, I've been maintaining that lawn like a champion. I bought myself a whippersnipper, got the mower. Um, it looks, it's been looking beautiful. Had a bit of problem with some, um, some dead patches. I brought them back to life, fertilized, been using herbicides. I'm really proud of my garden. Just before the floods, I knew it was going to rain. So it's like, I'll do a quick trim of the lawn. And because um, it'd been a while since I cut it last, there's quite a bit of uh, dead grass left over the top. So anyway, the rains come in. And that dead grass just sort of sits there and rots. And then brown patches start appearing. So Jim comes out and she's like, oh, like, there's dead patches all over the grass. And I was like, oh, I just didn't rake up the dead grass and now it's on top and it's creating these dead patches. I'll get down there and I'll, I'll fix it. So I'm down there and it became this kind of like a, a point of contention for about a week where Jim's like, can we just call the gardener to come around and look at the lawn? I'm like, no, I know what the problem is. The problem is I didn't clean up the dead grass. The problem and is Jim- me and what I did. I know I've identified the problem. I am the problem. No one knows more about the problem than me. I live with the problem. I am the problem. So I'm, 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 I don't know why I go get that kind of male sort of stubbornness. I'm like, no, like you don't need to ask. It's like, don't mm. ask for directions. Don't ask that guy. I know what the problem mm. is. And so um, I'm in the back garden like, trying to get the weeds out of there. And I, <laughs> the whole time she's Jen, also like, we're both aware of what the problem is, Charlie. <laughs> and just like you suggested, uh, while I'm doing that, while I've got my back turned, Jem sneaks over to the neighbor's place because the gardener's there and engages the gardener to come have a look at our front lawn. And so he comes around and through gritted teeth, I say hello and, you know, and he mm. does his little assessment. And then Jem asks him to have a look at the lawn. And then he leaves and I say, well, what did he say about the lawn? And, uh, and, she, and she said, uh, oh, he reckons that it's, uh, um, you've got, there's like a, it's called grass grubs. It's so they're just like pests that get into your grass and they just eat the roots and that's why the grass goes brown. And I'm like, absolutely not. I said, that gardener doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm telling you, I mowed the lawn. I didn't collect all the grass properly. And now it's on top. The sun hasn't got to it. 
And she's like, well, the gardener reckons that leaving dead grass on top of your lawn is actually a good thing. It works like a fertilizer. And I'm like, this guy, who does he think he is? A gardener? Who does he think he is? An expert in his field? Literally in the field? Me, who's never done like a day of study about like horticulture or anything. I know exactly what's going on. Instinctively. It's just in me. I'm a man and I'm out in nature. I instinctively know. A man who spent no time in my entire life watching grass grow now is an expert in how grass grows. It was, I was so incensed that this guy had diagnosed mm. something that I was convinced what the answer was. And so Jen was just like, you know, oh, whatever, dude. Like, what's your fucking problem? He says it's grass grubs. I'm just telling you what he said. I just want the lawn fixed. That's what right? he would like, say. Goddamn. On behalf of the grass grub lobby, he's probably involved yeah. in some sort of company that sells some sort of high-priced fancy fertilizer that you need for grass grubs. Grass grubs are like yowies, Gemma. You don't know this. You weren't born in Australia, but they're a thing that gardeners make up so they can sell their fucking gardening moonshine at inflated prices. The, you don't want to get taken in by big grub. Yeah, big grub, the bloody the, get their grubby, big grubby hands all over your, your horticulture money. So um, one night, uh, Jim was away last week. So one night after the house was quiet, I was like, I'm just going to jump online and do a bit of research, just uh, check out this. Uh. So it turns out I've got grass grubs. Grass grubs, definitely <laughs> like got grass grubs. Every single thing that they said online about the state of your lawn, like it's spongy underfoot. It doesn't take up moisture because the roots of the grass have been mm. eaten away by the grubs. You'll see more bird activity. The birds are coming down and eating the grass like every grass grubs. So it's like, God fucking damn it, this guy is <laughs> Here are the clues on our page of you might have grass grubs. Is your lawn spongy? It actually is. Then you've probably got grass grubs. Are there a lot of birds around at the moment? Yes, there are a lot of birds. You've probably got grass grubs. Did a professional gardener come over and tell you you have grass grubs? Yes. Then you have grass grubs. Well, then, Will, begins the great deceit where it's like, uh, can I fix the problem? Without telling Gemma that it's grass without- grubs? <laughs> exactly. It's like I've got three days to go to Bunnings, buy the treatment for the grass grubs, get yeah. it out there, kill the grubs, yeah. and then, you know... And then pretend the grubs never existed. <laughs> then deny Holocaust-style that the widespread slaughter of the grass grubs ever happened in the first place. It was like... I, it was the most George Costanza I've ever been. I just got so tied into this lie... That I was like, I can't, my pride will not let me acknowledge the fact that I was wrong about this. So I had to go to Bunnings and uh, spoke to the guy who also conf- told it, took, uh, showed him photos of the grass, told him what it felt like underfoot. He again uh, 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 suggested it was <laughs> grass grubs. So everyone's on the grass. What you got there, grubs. mate, is uh, grass grubs. <laughs> I haven't even got out. to the bit where a gardener told me it was grass grubs. <laughs> Uh, can we have security to aisle five? Someone's knocked out one of our staff members <laughs> with a shovel. That's not goddamn grass grubs. I left the grass on top of the old, the old grass. That's a problem. Yeah, but that's perfect for your lawn. That's a fertilizer. What are you talking about, mate? That's a natural fertilizer. Uh, so I bought the grass scrub um, uh, her, her pesticide, which is just like this granule powder. So you, you shake it on. And, and I thought I got away with it because uh, I, I, I laid it all out. I, um, you see, you lay the granules out, you water the granules, the moisture brings the grubs out, the grubs eat the granules, they die. That's the kind of, the, the basics of it. And so I managed to do the treatment and um, Jem didn't realise. And then yesterday I was like, hmm, I saw a few birds on the lawn this morning. Maybe maybe it needs another dose of old the old uh, grass grub yeah. napalm. <laughs> and I thought, 
I thought Gemma was out. <laughs> so I you always return to the scene of the crime. This is the oh. problem with these people. Like, you got away with it. So there I am on the lawn, like my secret shame, shaking the grass crumb out of the lawn, oh thinking that Gemma was down getting a coffee. And then I hear from the balcony, what are you doing? And I oh. was so fucking sprung. So I just had to concede. I was like, you were right. The gardener was right. I was wrong. And she was like, yes. Like, I don't understand why. I've known that from the minute the professional told us it was grass grubs. In my head, from that moment, it's been grass grubs. It was just this theatre, this theatre of I just can't be wrong. I just made it so much harder for myself. And she's like, you've got the neighbour's dog under your arm again, Charlie. You've got to stop yeah. stealing this dog. Okay, so here's what I'm going to suggest. For years, we, yeah. you know, we do have sponsors for this podcast and we really appreciate all the sponsors that come on board for the podcast. But we're always trying to pick and choose which sponsors, you know, are in, in line with our values or represent the show. It's got to be Buddings. All we talk about these days is making mistakes and ending up going to Bunnings. So if Bunnings want to get on board or any other rival hardware store in the area who's like, this is an opportunity for us to sort of, you know, Mm. go up against the big guys, then we are open to suggestions. Well, yeah. I mean, but we want the big big payday, right? (laughs) So let's go for the biggest company, right? Yeah, but Bunnings discount is like they'll take 10% off anybody else's price. So... You know, yeah, lowest right. prices are just the beginning. They're going to screw us, Bunnings. They're the big man. They don't need us. But maybe like Home Hardware or somewhere or just some local Northern Rivers building supplies company. I'm thinking this is a you got mail situation. Bunnings okay. might be the big corporate that's come into town and eaten up all the local mum and pop hardware stores. But there's yeah. still like a Meg Ryan operated Northern Rivers artisanal, you know, home hardware store that is trying to fight against the big machine. Maybe they could come on board. Well, I guess the thing you got. That, we'll call it. You got nail. <laughs> you got snails. Because <laughs> we're trying to get rid of the, the snails from my garden. You got snails. Do you think that? The, I mean, apart from just obviously the amount of stuff they have at Bunnings, it's the it's the it's the the experts they have. It's like the Genius Bar, right? Like that's the appeal of going, being able to sort of speak to someone who works in a specialist department, right? Yeah, but not even the idea that you have to work with someone in a specialist department. Because what I like about Bunnings is the generalized knowledge. If you find a person in the right aisle, technically they'll be able to just tell you about anything in that aisle. Like I feel like that's the rule of Bunnings employer is that if you wander into an aisle, you've got to be ready at any opportunity to answer a question about something that's in that aisle. What existed pre-Bunnings? Like I feel like it was- Can't remember. No one can remember. No one can remember a time without Bunnings. No, local stores existed. And Mitre 10 and Home Hardware and all these sort of things. Bunnings just came along and ate it all up. And is Bunnings like a like an international company or are they? No, so well, Australian kind of. And yeah. started, started in Western Australia a very long time ago, like 100 years ago, basically. And um, became like bought up by one of the big, you know, conglomerates that own pretty much everything in Australia. One of the two that own Coles or Woolies. I can't remember which one it is, but right. um, one or the other. And it, so they tried to do it in the UK and it didn't work. So they took the, the Australian model and they took it over to the UK, made the exact same ads, you know, the same ads they have in yeah. Australia with like, you know, with the, the people talking to camera, just assumed that it would be a sensation in the UK as well. And the UK were just like, nah, we're not really into this. So what, and do you know what that was put down to? Is it just a cultural thing or is it? Partly a, cultural. 
Um, partly it's very Australian to renovate your own home and do this stuff yourself. Right. In the yeah, UK, that is not part of their tradition like a lot more stuff is you know farmed out to experts you're not doing as much home hardwares and they have a pre-established home hardwares chain over there that is quite popular that caters more to the things that british people would do around their houses and their homes so no it was a bit of a cultural thing um that australia australians just love to think we can fix shit yeah i mean it is funny that you can't remember i just finished watching uh wandavision and have you seen any of wandavision I haven't. I haven't signed up to Disney Plus yet. There hasn't been anything right. on it yet that has made me think that I need it. Uh, yeah. Why did we sign? Like, this is. I mean, do you know the? I mean, is it spoilers to talk about? Do you know? You can talk to me about Wonder about? Vision. I've I've heard uh, now. Justin Hamilton's been talking about it on his podcast, Big Squid, right. and I've listened to him and Rove talk about it. And so I'm fine for you to talk about it. Yeah, okay. So essentially the idea being that uh, uh, Wanda has created her own reality in her grief over losing uh, Vision. So this is big spoilers for anyone who's is still waiting to watch WandaVision. Um, she takes over an entire town and controls the people in that town to um, be characters in her fantasy, which, you know, every episode is based on a different kind of sitcom from a different era. Uh, I Look, you know what? I thought it was a good concept. I thought it was fine, but... The last episode, it just becomes like every Marvel anything where there's like a sky beam and there's people shooting like laser bolts at each other. I just can't believe in 2021 you can have like a major sort of franchise or a major brand where the climactic battle is the hero and the villain shooting different colored beams at each other. (laughs) Like, I feel like we should have progressed, especially when your hero is like a she's a witch and she's a master manipulator and can control reality and stuff why is she shooting things out of her hands it's kind of like the green lantern like the green lantern has this ring which he can make any construct that his imagination comes up with so what does he do he shoots a beam out of it like come on (laughs) do something a bit more imaginative than that okay so uh all right, okay, here's what I'm going to ask you then. Have you seen um, Zack Snyder, the Snyder Cut of uh, the Justice I League? Have. Because I have. we're talking about a completely different concept here, which is if you give someone four hours to tell a sprawling superhero tale that doesn't necessarily... I mean, it has certainly that element of a big fight towards the end, but then it has an entire, you know, coda after that that isn't about a big battle. Was that more or less satisfying to see it in that form versus what we've become used to with the Marvel Universe? Well, it's weird, uh, Justice League. It's it's kind of like you've obviously, you know, Zack Snyder's come back and they've said to him, complete creative control. You just include, because it's streaming, there's no need for it to have a certain running time. No edits. <laughs> Use no edits. all the footage you already had. Shoot some new stuff. Like, the thing that I, my first observation about just that alone is, because they didn't really do a heap of reshoots. He pretty much just put together this entire four-hour film from stuff that they had shot. And he's cut out all the Joss Whedon stuff, basically, all the pickups that they did. So they had so much material in the first place when he left the project that I just wonder how they ever would have landed that film if they needed to release it in a traditional way in cinemas. Well, the idea originally was it was going to be two parts. So it's a four-hour runtime now. That actually makes sense. Okay. It would have been two two-hour films. Like if they had you know, run them at the full length, two two-hour films, or more likely two you know, 90-minute, you know, maybe 100-minute movies but it's so i look it's definitely an infinitely better film than the theatrical version so much better 
I mean, but it's, it's not great, but it's, there's no. so much better than the movie that came out. It's an interesting project. It just got me thinking about, I actually was talking to Hamo about this the other day. Like, clearly, you know, uh, as studios are freaking out, trying to work out what they can get in front of people and what's going to get people to sign up to their streaming services and stuff. That, you know, we have, we've just, we're in this era of, um, you know, known properties and reboots and all this kind of stuff. So what would be stopping studios, if this does really well, to then approach every major director who's ever had like a big franchise and saying like, hey, Ridley Scott, there's nine, you know, different cuts of Blade Runner out there. Here's 30 million, here's $50 million. Why don't you go and do the definitive version of Blade Runner? You've got access to all the original uh, footage. You know, here's a CGI budget. You can de-age Harrison Ford or you got to... You go to Spielberg and say, why don't you do Jaws, but with like an, a photorealistic shark? Like, yeah, because that to me seems to be like, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing in the sense of, oh yeah, let's give all these kind of filmmakers complete creative freedom. But there is also something about having limits, you know, having, needing to deliver like uh, an edit or, or cut something down or whatever. And I just feel like Justice League felt so indulgent. There were so many moments in it where it's like well this could have been cut out of the film <laughs> like you don't need any of this the that additional scene with jared leto is just garbage like nothing about it makes any sense like it's, so it's supposed to be a dream sequence but batman's dreaming about deathstroke who he is yet to meet you know <laughs> like, and then you know it, it felt like it was written by a 12 year old like some edgelord 12 year old where he wanted to hear batman say that he wanted to fucking kill the joker like everything about it just was garbage it's like well maybe it's good that you have a studio or a producer sitting over your shoulder saying you know what cut that shit out i mean of course it is but there's also some value in seeing this version of it. I think this is the perfect example of it because the movie itself ended up being terrible. They already had this footage. There was an opportunity to let the person who was originally going to make something probably make something much closer to what they would make without all that feedback. So you get to see what it would, when left to his own devices, what is it that would he would make? And it is a sprawling mess. It is yeah. satisfying in a whole bunch of ways. And, you know, I enjoyed seeing a lot of the backstories fleshed out and having more time with the characters. And I think that paid off then when the fights came along. It didn't feel like they were fighting all the time. Like, I, There was a lot about it that I actually liked a lot more than I thought I was going to like. But as a work of art, you're going, well, this is terrible. There's a reason you have editors and there's a reason you have producers. And the, because they all, if because if we leave you to do what you want to do, this is what you fucking give us. This absolute fucking mess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting, isn't it, too? Like, there was some parts of it. Like, I thought all the Wonder Woman stuff, I was like, that's the best action we've seen Wonder Woman do in any of her movies. Like, she just looked fantastic and it was exciting and the whole, all that was great. I mean, the Flash is still really annoying. And from my understanding of what Barry Allen is as a character in the comic books, I, you know, I never assumed he was like the quippy kind of like goofy kind of guy. But, you know, he was still better than he was in the theatrical version. But the thing that became most clear to me why I haven't liked many of these Zack Snyder or DC films is that they're tonally wrong. Because no matter how seriously you take the subject matter, it is ultimately ridiculous to see a bunch of grown-ups in rubber suits walking around talking about like you know catching the bad guy it doesn't matter how seriously you want to take it how many swears that you know the characters say it's silly it looks dumb i mean the reason why i reckon um, uh, logan works so well 
is that they don't put him in like the outfit. You know, they kind of, they, they keep it as grounded as possible. Well, the reason why the Dark Knight works so well is they sort of keep it grounded as much as possible. But Zack Snyder, he just loves all the kind of like, you know, the comic book panels and he wants to recreate those things that he obviously loved as a kid growing up. But it, it doesn't make any But he also loves all. super powerful superheroes. Like he has yeah. that whole I- Ayn Rand sort of view of the world, yeah. which is why do we, like, why are we scared of greatness? Like, you know, like, so it is a different perspective yeah. on that entire thing. But I, yeah, I, yeah I, here's what, I like the idea of, having hours more of stuff for people to enjoy. I would not yeah. mind if in the future you really did do that thing of going, well, we've shot like five hours of this movie and, you know, here's the, you know, theatrical release that goes for like, you know, 90 minutes or whatever. Like, you know, this is the version that the majority of people are going to see. But on our streaming channel, we're going to release the four and a half hour version because if you're a person who's interested in spending four and a half hours in that universe, you can go and spend four and a half hours in that universe. I mean, I think there'd be certain directors who would who would love that. Like Tarantino strikes me as a guy who probably has hours and hours of stuff. But then there's other directors who, you know, the challenge for them is to condense their message into two hours or whatever Mm. it is. Like, I think, you know, Zack Snyder clearly um, is a dude who he just, he just loves playing in the sandpit. And so, yeah, like, sure. Like you don't, if you, if you've got, if you've got a Okay. Well, I've got, I've got another idea then. How about, we get the directors to release their own movie, but then they contractually have to hand over everything they shot to Zack Snyder and he puts together Snyder cuts of other movies. Like he's just full time doing Snyder cuts of things. So everything is just like super slow mo. Yeah. Uh, super jacked dudes. Like he does, he redoes it Citizen Kane. And Citizen Kane is just rips off his shirt. He's got abs. Just jack. He drops a snowball and super slow mo. You see it shatter. Like you have a Nick Cave song playing over it. As his sled blows up at the end into a thousand different pieces. Uh, now, Will, this is going to be a slightly yes. shorter episode because uh, we both have stuff to do today. Um, so I thought we'd get to... Uh, oh, I just want to say one thing. Um, I've sent out a bunch of uh, TOEFOP, um, uh, autographed TOEFOP tour posters for our, to our $20 patrons. Um, I just wanted to say, look, I made a mistake. So the way that... Uh, um, uh, the way that it works in, in, in the emails, I got a notification when someone signs up to Patreon. And so just to make it easy for myself, I'd been searching for uh, people. I, I, I just key searched under $20 to find out who were the new people who signed up at 20 bucks in order to send them a poster. What I didn't anticipate, Will, is that some people have been signing up in excess of $20. So <laughs> I realized that there's a bunch of people out there who've signed up uh, for in excess of $20 in the last few months who probably are waiting for a poster. I've gone through the emails. I think I've found all of you, but if you are still waiting on a poster, you signed up for uh, in excess of $20. That's the reason why, is that I just assumed that you're scumbags like me and that you would uh, only sign up at the minimum amount it required to get the reward. <laughs> So uh, if you haven't received your poster or you're still waiting for it, just let me know. I did email a few people who um, an email who had signed up a few months ago and probably were still waiting for it. But if, if you don't get something in the next couple of weeks, just email us. And to do that, you go to tofop.com. There's a contact form down the bottom. And while you're there, 
why not check out some of our other podcasts like Philosophy? Who's on this week? Uh, so this week on Philosophy, Nina Oyama, who is super, super funny and super talented, but also was at the end of a three-day bender. Uh, and she rolled into it uh, pretty hilariously and it continued from there. So she was happy for me to release it. Uh, she did follow it up with a couple of apologies and I was like, no, nah, it's fun. It's a real moment in time and it's a really fun episode and it reminded me of when I was young. That's what it really felt like. I was just there just going, yeah, this is the sort of thing I might have done 15 years ago. So I'm very happy to have you here for this. And of course, Fofop, which is a show that I've been doing for years with guest Charlies, but we are now going to split the load when it comes to Fofop and sometimes you are going to have guest Wills on. So I believe the first one of those is up this week, Charlie. That's right. Adam Zwar is uh, our first guest on the new shared uh, Fofop. Adam's great. He's uh, been living in the States for the last five years, but is now back in Australia. And uh, we get into it a lot about the difference between America and Australia. It's fair to say Adam has some strong, strong opinions on working in the American industry. Very happy to be back home in Australia. But it's actually a really funny chat. He's such an interesting guy. He's had so many different... Um, uh, uh, stages to his career, starting off as an entertainment journalist, then an actor, then a producer and a writer and now. So you can check that at tofop.com and you can also check out Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL-adjacent podcast, which is back up and running. Um, we uh, It's running in two forms. There's the uh, regular podcast and then there's My Club, which is where I sit down with a, a famous person and chat about their club. And this week, Sam Mack, Sunrise Weatherman Sam Mack, uh, is on the show and he is a great guest. But Will, I just want to read this one message before we go. This is from Caitlin and this was sent to us via our Patreon. Uh, she says, hey, gentlemen, I've just listened to episode 306. This was sent in uh, <laughs> September last year. And felt your pain when you listened to the parking ticket story. I had a similar experience. Just to recap, in the height of the pandemic, I, uh, I got a parking fine and uh, Will rushed to my defense to say, why are parking inspectors fining people during the middle of a pandemic? You're out there working. They should be rewarding you. Okay. Caitlin continues. During the height of the lockdown in Sydney, my elderly dad, who has Parkinson's, fell at home and hit his head quite badly. He went off to St. Vincent's Fire and Ambulance in the middle of the night. The next day, I drove my parents' car with my mum to collect him from the hospital. Their car, easier for the wheelchair and disabled parking permits, etc. Anyway, given that mum and dad had been housebound for six-ish weeks, along with the fact that they're old and obviously missed the rego notice, it turns out I was driving an unregistered Ooh. car. A certain boy in blue followed me while I circled the block a couple of times before, I finally, before finally showing his lights. He asked if I knew the car was unregistered. I did not. I explained my situation, apologised profusely, and also let him know how keen I was to get my parents safely back home in a co to a COVID-free zone. This didn't seem to concern the constable. He told me that I needed to park the car immediately and get out and walk. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. Are you serious? I did my, yeah. With I did my best. her elderly parents? Yes. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> you, mate. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean this in the nicest possible way. All cops are bad. Fuck you. <laughs> I did my best to plead my case, even with the, can you not just escort me back to the hospital to park the car so I don't keep my parents waiting? Whack on the I fucking mean, siren, mate, and give me an escort to the fucking hospital for my elderly parents. I mean, he'd already spent the last 10 minutes just following me around the block, but no joy. Anyway, I told him what I thought without holding back. Yeah, fair enough. Which I know is never a good idea. Then I got the wheelchair out of the car and slammed all the doors and set off on foot back to the hospital. A couple of weeks later, I received over $1,400 worth of fines in the post. $1,400 worth of fines. 
and the rage was felt all over again. Clearly, I was going to dispute the fines, but I did not spend it. But I did spend a day or two tossing up whether or not um, it was going to it was worth going through the rigmarole. This is where the amazing part of the story happens. So I go online, I fill out the 200 word max text box, pleading my case, expecting to be contacted, asking for hospital records, stat decks, Uber drivers, etc., etc. But unbelievably, I re- received a reply six hours later, informing me that all the fines had been dissolved. Oh wow. It was a moment of glory for New South Wales bureaucracy, not enough to make up for all the past misdemeanors, but a small win nonetheless. Depending on when you get this letter, it may be too late, but perhaps mm. the challenge, challenging the fine isn't a bad idea. I, was too te- I too was technically in the wrong, Charlie, but every now and then we need to stick it to the man. Look, um, I didn't. I just paid the fine yep. like a meek little it's, bitch boy. I it's <laughs> way too late. It is <laughs> literally a year too late. <laughs> Uh, but Caitlin, I'm really glad and I hope your parents are doing well yes. uh, considering you sent this almost six months ago. Okay. Um, can I just say uh, quickly plug my comedy festival show? It yes. starts April the 6th at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival at the Arts Centre. It is illegal. It is a return season, but I would love if people came out. I'm excited to be back at the Melbourne Comedy Festival after a year off. And sometime this week, there will be an announcement about uh, another show that I'm going to do. Uh on the Ooh. final Saturday night, a late night show on the final Saturday night of the comedy festival that I have just added in due to popular requests from some people. So if uh, people watch out on the socials for that, come along to that. Two words, people. Puppetry, penis. Mm. Three words. Of. Also of. Of four. <laughs> of the. Puppetry, of the. <laughs> no. Four words. <laughs> Two key words. Puppetry, penis. <laughs> Two conjunctions. Of the. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. How long? Not long. Everyone relax.